So today we are going to be talking about Jonah. I don't know how I'm going to tie this in with motherhood. I think I'm going to try, but we might we might see some applications here. We've been journeying through the Bible as a church for uh, since the beginning of the year, and today it just so happens that the Bible reading plan lands on the book of Jonah, and so we we get to focus in on this. And um, and so we can't preach through everything every single Sunday. There's 66 books of the Bible. So if we tried to do one book of, of the Bible a week, it wouldn't work because there's 52 weeks in a year. Right. And so we got to got to choose, pick and choose. How much are we going to try to cover each Sunday? How much are we going to try to cover each Wednesday night? And so we kind of mix them together and, and, and shake it up a little bit to change things up. But uh, we've been focusing, we've been participating uh, along with over 350 other churches in something called Time to Revive. It's a, it's a movement, a focus on evangelism and discipleship, and there have been some great things happening. A lot of people coming to Christ, hundreds of people coming to Christ and making professions of faith and getting baptized. I thought it would be fitting for us today to look at this idea of mission in light of uh, the mission that God has called us to right here. And in the book of Jonah, we see somebody who not only avoided the mission of God, but also accomplished the mission of God. And regardless of his reluctance, God worked through him to bring about the mission he had regarding a city called Nineveh. So uh, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and stand up with me. And we are going to look at uh, Jonah 1, 1 through 4. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amati, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of of the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you would be seated, we see there's this prophet of God in the Old Testament named Jonah. Uh, He was an Israelite, uh, somebody who heard from God, and he had the responsibility to proclaim what God was saying. He was kind of like God's UPS man in a sense, all right? He just delivered the message. Uh, That's what the prophets were like. Jonah had a unique call. Uh, Because most of the prophets that we see in the Old Testament ministered to Israel. They ministered to the Hebrew people. God was calling Jonah out of those comfortable boundaries into a, a, a more unfamiliar place that he was not interested at all in going to. Uh, These guys, the Ninevites, were known as a very cruel people. They were enemies of Israel. This was not a a job assignment that any prophet, I think, would want, is to have to go to a country like this. It would kind of be like if God were to call you as a Christian to go to a a very anti-Christian city or country in in the world. I mean, think about some of the most anti-Christian cities. Uh, places in the world and God was to call you to be a missionary or to do a mission trip to that place I mean how eager would you be to go so before we get we get down too much on Jonah because we're going to a little bit uh, we're going to focus in on his his resistance and his avoiding the mission of God I think it's important for us to know that he had a pretty significant assignment given to him by the Lord 
He was commissioned to go speak to a bunch of people that were known for their cruelty. And here's the big idea. This is where we're going today within this message is, is that God is a missional God and he calls his people to join him in accomplishing his global mission. God is a missional God and he calls his people to join him in accomplishing his mission. And to that, I think we would all say, Amen. Amen. We are for that. We want to be about that. We want to impact the world. We want to make a difference. We want to partner with what God's doing and see the kingdom of God advance and see the gospel go forward and see people come to Christ and repent and believe and have salvation and eternal life. We desire that, right? Yet we as Christians can so identify with what Jonah did. You see, Jonah, he ran from the presence of the Lord. God was nudging him. God was speaking to him to go across the sea, to go to another land. All right? And as Christians, God is often speaking to us, not necessarily to go across the sea to get on a ship and go somewhere, but to go across the street to our neighbors, to go across our, to our co-workers, to, to engage those around us. And God, through his still, small voice, he whispers to us and speaks to our heart through his Holy Spirit. He speaks to us and he challenges us to go and share the message, share the good news, share the message with those around us. And so we too, like Jonah, can, can relate to avoiding the mission. I, I, I intentionally worded it a little softer here. I didn't word it like God, Jonah rebelled, Jonah disobeyed. I, I just simply put it, Jonah avoided the mission of God. Maybe in his mind he was thinking, I'm going to go on a vacation. I need a vacation. Work is tough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to split, right? He, gets, he, he goes and he takes a cruise, all right? <laughs> He takes a cruise. He goes, instead of going to Nineveh, he takes a cruise on a ship to the opposite direction. He went in the completely opposite, opposite direction. Maybe he was just, he, he was very busy as a prophet and he has just was on the verge of burning himself out and he needed to just get a good vacation. And so he decided to go take a vacation on a trip on the ship. And one of the things we see in this is we see Jonah going the, the completely opposite direction. We see him trying to, to run from God. So he, he avoided the mission of God. God spoke to him saying, Jonah, I want you to arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. And it says in verse 3 that Jonah rose and he fleed a Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went away from God's presence. He went away not only from God's presence, but from the mission that God was calling him to. Jonah was avoiding God and avoiding the mission that he was calling him to. And oftentimes, God calls us, when he, when he calls us to mission, he calls us to get out of our comfort zone. It may not be a cruise on a ship. Uh, it might, may not be a restful vacation. It may be something that's very challenging and difficult and risky and scary to step out in. Uh, we have the, the Bradleys here today who are great examples of that. They've been preparing. They have sold uh, their, their, their goods. They've, they've been preparing their lives, readjusting their lives. They've gotten out of their comfort zone. They've, they've, they've taken some, some big risk. Here in a, in a few months, they're going to be being sent out overseas to serve in Ethiopia okay, as, as missionaries. 
and there's, there's risk involved. There's unknowns involved. There are, there are things that they are going to have to trust God with, but they have heard from God. God has directed them. God has spoken to them. God has made it clear to them that they have a mission to accomplish in Ethiopia, and they're going comply with God's promptings and nudges, and we incline our ears to his voice. Because as, as we see in, in Jonah's life, it is vain to run from God. It's just vain to run from God. You can't outrun God. Like, you can't play hide-and-seek with God and win. Uh, my kids like to play hide-and-seek, and when, we, when I do play hide-and-seek with them, uh, I just have to go along with it, and, and uh, I'll, I'll count to 10 or 20 or whatever. But I can just hear the snickers. I can hear the footsteps. I can hear the, bre- the heavy breathing. And they think they're really hiding in a good place from Dad, and Dad's not going to find them. They're hiding. Doing, and, it, and it's fun. I'll go along with it. I'll, I'll play along with it so, that they can, so we can have fun together. In, in the same way, you know, we can't hide in a place from God that he doesn't already know or see. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Can a man hide himself in a secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth? I mean, come on, where, where in the world can you hide from the presence of God? Where can, where can you find the space on this planet that God isn't already there, that God already sees? What, how, how fast can you run to actually outrun the Almighty? You can't. We, we have an all-powerful God, an all-knowing God, an all-present God. He is everywhere. He's all-powerful, and He's all-present. And so it is vain to try to avoid Him. Run from him and resist his will. Is it not? He's the potter. We're to clay. And you know what? It's also tiring. Avoiding God and, and his mission and, and doing our own thing, it, it gets wearisome. You know, it says here, verse 4 through 6 here, this is what happened. So Jonah runs. Jonah flees, flees. And it says, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened the break up then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his god and they hurled cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them but jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and he had laid down and he was fast asleep jonah was worn out he was wearisome he was tired he was running from god which was vain and he was tired and notice the language here within Jonah chapter 1. It keeps saying that Jonah went down, he went down, he went down, he went down. And as we continue in the story, we'll see he goes even further down into the belly of a fish. And so running from God will bring us to very humble, low places. Resisting God, avoiding God, doing our own thing will bring us downward. Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the the ship, he had laid down, he was asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out on your God. Perhaps the God will give you a thought to us that we may not perish. Now, this is interesting. Jonah is, there's a lot of irony within this book. And, and part of the irony here is these were pagan sailors who, who worshipped other gods. And, and then here's Jonah, who is a prophet who should have feared God and, and displayed fear and reverence and respect in obedience to God. 
And instead of being a peacemaker, he was being a troublemaker. He was causing trouble to those around him because of his own resistance and avoidance of God and his mission. And so, so there's a lot of irony within this scene, and then you'll see more irony in the other scene between the, the response of the Ninevites to God's warning and, and Jonah's response to God. So Jonah ran from God. Charles Spurgeon said this, that God never allows his children to sin successfully. God never allows his children to sin successfully, and Jonah is proof of the truth of that statement. God doesn't allow his children to sin successfully. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he chastises everyone whom he receives as a son. So avoiding God and his mission will result in discipline, divine discipline. Okay, we'll, we'll go back here and look at the rest of the story. Verse 11 or 7. And they said to one another, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah, and they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know that it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. And therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay, it, lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. There's some irony there. These pagan sailors worshiping God and fearing God. Jonah should have been the one displaying Fear and reverence for God. And then verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. What we see here is we see avoiding God and his mission will lead to divine discipline. God disciplines those that he loves. And the, the fish that swallowed Jonah up, that wasn't God's judgment on, on Jonah. That was loving discipline from a sovereign God. We're talking about the God who made all of creation and governs all of creation, causing a wind. The Lord, the Lord hurled the wind at, you know, he, he caused the waves. He, he, he was trying to get Jonah's attention through the activity of, of creation. Many, many folks struggle to believe this is even a true story. I don't think this is just a, a children's story or a fable. I believe this is a true story. Uh, Jesus affirmed the validity of this story when he said, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three day, nights, so, so the Son of Man will be in the, the belly of the earth for, for three days. God can do this. God can preserve this guy, can, can bring him to a place of humbling and breaking without crushing him and killing him. God has a way of doing that. God, in his mercy and grace, he can 
get us to surrender. You know, we can run and we can try to hide, but God's going to find us. And his mercy and grace and love is greater than our resistance. And he can graciously overcome and save people in spite of us, regardless of our failures and our rebellion. And so we see the sovereignty of God working here, that God's, God's the one who's in charge. He's in charge of the sea. He's in charge of the winds. He's in charge of this fish and the timing of this fish swallowing up Jonah. And then it says in chapter 2 that when Jonah had been swallowed up by the fish, verse 1, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord and to his God from the belly of the fish. Uh, oftentimes, God will bring us through discipline, through our humbling, through the breaking and, and, and difficult circumstances, God brings us to our knees and to a place of surrender. So Jonah had tried to avoid God and avoid God's mission for him. And then God graciously overcame with mercy, with love, and had showed Jonah mercy and love, the same mercy and love and grace that he was going to show to a whole city of cruel Ninevites. And so Jonah prayed to the Lord, beautiful poetic prayer in the belly of a fish. And uh, verse 8 and 9, he says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So that's Jonah's prayer in, in the belly of the fish. He seems to repent. It's, it's, it doesn't seem very thorough if he is repenting here. He seems to be turning to God. His heart seems to be changing and him surrendering and complying with God and what God had for him. And then verse 10, in response to that prayer, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So it's a great, great story. Okay, so avoiding God and his mission will result in divine discipline. Avoiding God and his mission reveals a disconnect with his heart. This is huge. This is, this is probably the, one of the biggest things I want us to get here today. Why, why would Jonah run? Why would Jonah run from a God who's good and loving and sovereign and in charge and, and he is the one that Jonah should submit his life to? Why would he avoid God? Why would he avoid God's mission for him? Was he afraid? Was he afraid of the Ninevites? Was, did he think that they were unworthy to hear a message from God? Jonah's, the book of Jonah in chapter 4 answers this question. Why Jonah fled? Why did he run? Because he says to God, after God shows mercy to these Ninevites, he says, That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God. And merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. This is this is a quote back from uh, from Exodus 34, when God revealed Himself to Moses and God displayed His glory. This is who God is. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and He relents from disaster. Now, notice that that was the reason Jonah ran. He knew that to be true about God. Instead of that fueling the mission to go to the Gentile Ninevites, it actually fueled him to run away because he didn't want the Ninevites in on that mercy and that grace that God was extending. You see, 
Mission flows from the heart of God. Mission, global missions flows from the heart of God. That flows from who God is because he is gracious, because he is merciful, because he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents from disaster. That fuels and flows, mission flows out of that. That's why we should be evangelistic, missional people living on mission for him. That's why the Bradleys should go to Ethiopia to train and teach and proclaim the gospel there in that place because God cares and loves for the Ethiopian people. God loves people. And I think the closer we connect to his heart, the, the more we get to know him and connect with his heart, the more we're going to be moved on to mission. But the more disconnected we are from this God who is merciful and gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, the less engaged we will be in mission. Because God really loves people and he doesn't want people to perish. And so I've, I've found this to be true in my own life. I've seen this to be true in the lives of other Christians, that the, the more they, they love God and know God and get closer to God, the more they love people and they want to help people and reach people and, and share the gospel with people. Okay, so avoiding God and his mission reveals a disconnect with his heart. So after Jonah is disciplined by God in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights, he accepts the mission. He accepts his assignment. And I, I love verse 1 in, in chapter 3. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Aren't you glad that God gives us second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and so on? That God gives us many opportunities to participate with him, to repent and, and, and join in with what he's doing. Because he's gracious, he's kind, he's patient with us. He, he works with us. Uh, so the word of the Lord came a second time. God spoke to Jonah the first time. Jonah didn't want to hear it. He ran. And then he's humble. He's broken. He's, he's tired of running. He realizes, I can't outrun God. So, and he declares in the belly of a fish, salvation belongs to God. He declares that truth. But is he really okay with that truth? We'll find out here. And so he goes. He, he arises. God said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it. The message I tell you. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breath. So he accepted the mission. Jonah's compliance to God's mission came after receiving the discipline of God, and Jonah received a, a second chance. And then he accomplished the mission. Jonah began to, verse 4, he, he began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And one of the things I want to point out about here, about this, is that God used a sinful man to accomplish his mission. Now, some of you here may feel like I'm too weak, I'm too stubborn, I'm too whatever to, to reach people, to, to participate in evangelism or missions. I'm, I'm too, fill, whatever the blank is, I'm too timid, I don't know enough, I'm whatever. 
God uses weak, sinful, broken people. He saves them, draws them, brings them into a relationship, and then he works through them as weak and broken and sinful as you are. God can work through that. And by the way, this, this should point to the reality that God's the hero in the story, not Jonah. Nineveh receives the message. They respond to the message. And Jonah goes and he's, he avoids, he re, he's reluctant, and he finally goes. And God saves them with a very simple message. God used a, a sinful man to accomplish his mission, and he used a very simple message. It's, I think, like five words in the Hebrew a very simple, and, and this may just be a summary of Jonah's message that he was proclaiming. But he uses a simple message. We as Christians have been given a simple gospel message that God continues to use to save people today. Right? It's a simple message. You don't have to know all the answers, and you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a Christian for 10, 15, 20 years to share the gospel with others, to reach others, to participate with what God's doing to, to, to change people, to save people, you just got to be willing and surrendered and accept the assignment that he's given you. So God uses a sinful man and he uses a simple message to accomplish his mission. Another thing we see in this is that God demands, he gives mercy to those who repent and turn to him. Anybody who will turn to God in repentance, God will grant mercy. Jeremiah Jeremiah 18, 7 and 8, it says, If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning uh, which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster I intended to do to it. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is, in, while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So one of the truths we see in the book of Jonah is that God demands repentance of people. God will bring judgment if there's no repentance, and God will give mercy when people turn. And we see that, that it's not just the Jewish people that God loves and is interested in. Yes, he dearly loves Israel and, 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 and has called them and chosen them to be his special people. But we see even in the Old Testament, we see the truth that God is a God of the nations. He's a, he has a global mission, not just a mission focused on one country. God wants to work through his people uh, the, gen- the, the Israel was to be a light to the Gentiles. And so we see his compassion and, and mercy. Jonah's message was, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. One of the, 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 the questions you may have is like, well, what, what happened here? Did God change his mind? Did, was there a condition involved? What, what's, what's going on here you know, with, with this? Um, that word overthrown, hapak in Hebrew, uh, can either mean to overthrow or to overturn, or it can mean to to turn around or to change. Um, you might say that God overthrew Nineveh with mercy and not judgment. He overturned and changed Nineveh with mercy and not judgment. I think that the warning was legitimate, and all of God's warnings of judgment, legitimate in scriptures. I think when we hear those and we read those we shouldn't say well god doesn't really mean that 
He's a, he's a merciful God. He wouldn't, he wouldn't judge anybody. Uh, he does, because it doesn't always, it doesn't turn out like this for everybody, right? There's plenty of examples. We're going through the minor prophets right now on Wednesday night, and it is heavy, all right? It is judgment. It is, I mean, it's not, it's not the, the place in the Bible, the places in the Bible that we tend to spend our most time in our quiet times with the Lord in the mornings, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's heavy. It's judgment. It's warning. It's calling out sin, but... There are conditions and there are, there's also a message of hope within there. And so God uses the heavy warnings of the Bible to, to bring about repentance that's necessary. So that's what he did with, with Nineveh. So notice Jonah's re- response. So, so they repent. When God saw what they did, they turned from their evil way and God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to him do, do to them and he did not do it but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry also let me say this about the Jonah's short message Jonah knew he knew this truth back here that God would relent from disaster right he knew that uh, it's not included we don't have it in the message that he proclaimed here, but he knew. So maybe, maybe he was just holding that, that hope part of the message out for them, or maybe that was just a summary of the message that Jonah proclaimed. But we do know that Jonah did not want them to receive mercy. Jonah was not happy about the mission, the mission being accomplished. You would think that this preacher, prophet guy, would have got really excited and threw a party because the whole city repented. I, I know I would. I would be like, that would be one of the most incredible things ever that, that God would use me for if, if that was, you know, if I was a part of that. Yet Jonah was displeased and he was exceedingly, displeased exceedingly and he was angry. He was angry. He, he did not want these guys to receive mercy. He prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, is it not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Here is a pouting prophet like a toddler throwing a fit on the kitchen floor over cookies. He's pouting. He's throwing a fit. He's, you know, he's camped out outside of the city, probably waiting for his message to come, come across. One theologian, by the way, said that, that Jonah, Jonah didn't want to go because he didn't want his word to not come to pass. He didn't want to proclaim a warning of judgment and then God... They repent and God have mercy and then, you know, his, his, him not get that, that respect and yeah, God judged those guys. I told him it was coming and God judged him. One, um, but we see in, within the text what Jonah says, the reason why he didn't go was because he knew God would, would have mercy. He knew, he, he had a suspicion that God just might forgive these guys and, and he wouldn't judge him. And then he gets upset about this. And so God, God is addressing this, this animosity within the heart of this prophet. This speaks to any saint who has animosity towards their enemies. If there is anybody that you would not delight to see have mercy, this, this speaks to that. This challenges those of us 
who think we can decide on who gets mercy and who gets judgment. God is free to give mercy as much as he wants of it, as, in, in as much quantity as he wants. He's free to give mercy to whomever he wants. And we should be okay with that. We should actually delight in that when he does extend that mercy. Because he not only extends it to others, he's extended it to us. Jonah, when he was in the belly of a fish, he found mercy. He deserved to die. He probably wanted to die. Hey, throw me overboard. He probably would have rather, as we see here, he would have rather die than to, to actually be successful in preaching the message and the people repenting. He would have he rather die. So he's like, he's throwing a fit. He's upset. And God asks him the question, do you do well to be angry? Why, why are you angry? Why are you angry? That's a good question to ask somebody when they're angry, right? Why are you, why are you angry? What's, what's going on there? What's, what's that storm within, that turmoil? Why are you fuming? Why are your ears red and your eyes bulging and the, and the veins in your neck popping out? Why are you angry? And I think one of the reasons why we get angry for many things is we're, we're just not aligned with God's heart. And we're not aligned with God's mission. And we have a plan. We have a way that we think is better and how things should be in life. And it doesn't turn out like we want it. And we just get upset. Why is this happening like this? And God's confronting the prophet with this question. Why are you angry? This is something to rejoice in. This wasn't what you wanted, Jonah. But this is good. This is my way. So God provides, uh, within the story here in chapter 4, God provides a, um, a, a plant to shade Jonah. He's chilling out in the sun, and he provides a shade um, from the sun. And then uh, verse, verse 6, now the Lord appointed a plant. Again, we see God's sovereign over creation here. He's, he's, uh, there's, a, there's a fish, there's a wind, there's a plant. He appointed a plant, and he made it come over Jonah that it may shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Poor Jonah. God, God was being so gracious to him. He was, he was a pouty prophet with a bad attitude, upset, and God graciously gives him some comfort. Okay, He gives him some shade so, so his, his little bald spot doesn't get, get burned there. Uh, so Jonah was exceedingly glad. He, rejoiced. he was exceedingly glad. So this, this guy's like an emotional roller coaster. He's exceedingly displeased and angry about God not judging a, a whole city, but he has this nice little plant to give him some shade from the heat, and he gets some comfort. He, he finds a cool spot, and he's just, ah, oh, just enjoying it. He's enjoying the comfort. He's exceedingly glad about that comfort, and God just, <laughs> this, is, this is comical. This, this story is comical, by the way. There is humor within this. Um, it's been classified as satire. He was exceedingly glad about the plant, but, but verse 7, when the dawn came upon the next day, God appointed a worm. Okay, God appoints the plant, and then he appoints a worm to take out that, that attacked the plant so that it was withered. And when the sun rose, God, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Okay, just think about, think about how irrational this is. 
Jonah's upset over a plant, a small plant. I mean, how many Christians get so invested in their landscaping around their house or uh, whatever, their decoration within the house or whatever it is, you name it, your social media, whatever. We get so invested in things that are much more insignificant when there are a host of people all around us that mean so much more to God uh, and, and should mean much more to us. Jonah's upset about a plant, and God uses this plant and his discomfort to, to confront Jonah's selfishness. He says, do you well, do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. This is funny. This is the conversation he's having with God. He's being real. He's being honest. And the Lord said, you pity the plant. Okay, you pity the plant, Jonah, verse 10. You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a day. And should I not pity pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the right hand from their left, and also much cattle. God even takes in consideration the cattle. God cares. He graciously cares for creation. Shouldn't I care for all these cattle? And all these people, and you're upset about this plant. And so the book just ends there. It ends there because it, it, it leaves the reader hanging. It leaves the reader challenged. Are, are you more concerned about something that's petty, is not as weighty as when there are a whole bunch of people out here that need to be reached, that need salvation? So the book of Jonah is designed to mess with you and me the reader, to challenge you and me, the reader, to align ourselves with God's heart and align ourselves with God's mission. Do we delight in this God who shows mercy to, to people who turn to him? Are we willing to get out of our comfort zone? Do we value our comfort more than the mission of God? Because all throughout the Bible, God calls his people to get out of the boat. He calls them out of their comfort zone, and he calls them into difficult places to reach people. Here's some application here. Listen to God's voice regarding your role in his mission. Jonah heard from God. He didn't like what he heard. He wrestled with it. If you haven't heard God in a while... Uh, maybe you may need to go back to the last thing that he told you to do. Go back to the last thing that he told you to do and just listen to his voice. God speaks. God is speaking. And you know what? God has a lot to say about the people around us, about the harvest. Jesus said, open your eyes and look, the harvest is ripe. There's a whole lot of people all around you. God is speaking. And if you want to hear God more and you want to uh, get involved with what he's doing, just listen. Listen to his voice and obey his voice and you'll be pleasantly surprised what happens when you do and when you obey. Seek to know and love God, who God is and his heart for those around you. Seek to know this God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Be willing to leave your comfort zone and engage in the mission and rejoice in seeing God extend mercy to others that don't deserve it, knowing that he has done the same with you and me. We should rejoice. Let's not be like the elder brother when, when the son, the prodigal son came home. 
and the father throws a party because he loves this son. He kills the fatted calf. Let's not be like the, the older brother who gets upset because the father is being so kind and gracious to the returning son. Let's have the father's heart be moved with the father's heart to action. And then know that God will work through and accomplish his mission regardless of your weaknesses. God will work through you to accomplish his mission regardless of your weaknesses and failures. I think we should all be encouraged by God using Jonah because he was reluctant. He was rebellious. He avoided God. He avoided the mission of God. His heart wasn't right for ministry. He was called to ministry, but his heart just wasn't right. All right. God used him. God worked through him. And God, in spite and regardless of our failures and our weaknesses and our flaws and our brokenness, God wants to work through us. He, he calls us to participate in what he's doing. So be encouraged. If God can use a reluctant runaway prophet who goes AWOL, then he can use you and I. We just need to respond to the, the simple nudges that the Holy Spirit gives us on a day-to-day basis. Amen? I want to ask you this question. What is God saying to you right now regarding your role in his global mission and his global, global plan? Could, could you just ask God that? Just be open to what the Holy Spirit might want to say to your heart concerning your part and your participation. God, what is our part? Show us. Show us where... You want us to be what you want us to do, who you want us to reach. And may we align our lives with your mission. May we make adjustments that we need to make to get on board. And may we give ourselves to mission. participate in the mission one is simply to to just be missional where you are before you cross the sea to go share a message with people from another country cross the street cross your, your desk at work go to the park share share with those around you Another way is to pray for, to to send and pray for missionaries. Pray for them. Pray for the Bradleys. Lift them up in prayer. They need our prayer support. Pray for others that we know that are on the front lines. And then lastly, financially support. Give to, to support the mission. Those are a couple of ways.